0: There is a story, perhaps apocryphal, that when Perry Maxwell designed world-renowned prairie dunes, he disappeared into the 480 acres of central Kansas sand dunes and scrub with only a sack of apples re-emerging much later to pronounce. There are 118 holes of golf here. All I have to do is eliminate 100. Yet the story shows Maxwell's appetite for exploration, his enormous imagination, and inspired use of landforms and varied terrain, all qualities that helped him transform Oklahoma hills and dales into some of the nation's finest golf courses. Although our state is blessed to have courses by A.W. Tillinghast, Tom Fazio, Robert Trent Jones Jr., and other greats of the genre, the work of this unassuming Ardmore banker overshadows all others. From Dornick Hills to Twin Hills to Southern Hills, golfers throughout Oklahoma are thankful for the wonders Perry Maxwell performed.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Year Still Out Golf Podcast. This is another of our Miles of Maxwell series, of course, brought to you by golf course architect Colton Craig, whose book of the same name will be available soon. We encourage you to seek out the original four Miles of Maxwell pods, which reside in episode range 86 to 82 and feature legendary Maxwell designs, Dornick Hills, Twin Hills, Hillcrest and Southern Hills. Today's episode features Duncan Golf and Tennis Club, designed by Mr. Maxwell in 1921. Dakota Hicks, D- Duncan's GM and head professional, guides us to the history and culture of yet another great Maxwell course. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Miles of Maxwell podcast series. All right, ladies and gentlemen, joining us on this latest Edition of our Miles of Maxwell podcast series is the general manager and head professional at Duncan Golf and Tennis Club, Mister Dakota Hicks. Dakota, first of all, thanks for having us and welcome to the podcast.
2: Yeah, absolutely appreciate you guys uh, making the trip down here and uh, looking forward to our conversation here.
1: Well, all of my closest golf sicko buddies know how uh, much of affection I have for this place. Uh, Got to got to come out a few times and really enjoy it. Obviously, we are Maxwell heads and uh, yet don't know a lot about the history uh, of the golf course of the club. And so uh, excited to dive into that. Before I do, however, let's talk about Dakota a little bit. Just okay. kind of your background. Uh, kind of tell the listeners a little bit. Um, obviously, a, a, basically a hometown boy here. I know a little bit up the road. But uh, tell them about your early years and then playing golf in school, and then I understand there may be some affection for another Maxwell course as well.
2: Yeah, so I uh, grew up in Marlowe, uh, just north of Duncan, about 10 miles. Um, rather underachieving high school golf <laughs> career, um, but uh, was privileged enough to get a scholarship to play at Murray State College. Um, and at the time, we were at uh, Murray's kind of extension campus in Ardmore. Okay. Um, so uh, was obviously privileged enough to play Dornick Hills every day um, for, for the year that I was at Murray, um, obviously fell in love with that place. Um, really neat property, obviously, um, Perry's final resting place. Yeah. Uh, first design. So uh, really neat to be able to play there every day. Um, made my way back to Duncan after the first year. Um, when I come home from college, uh, knew I wanted to get into the golf business. Okay. So uh, Mike Hansen, who was the the head pro here, had an assistant position open I, I jumped all over it uh, and, and started taking classes at Cameron okay uh, study business here um, and when Mike left four years ago, uh, kind of handed the reins to me and and i've I've had it ever since. so it's awesome. well, I mean, talk about
1: not only a couple of, uh, of really great places um, to be a part of and and to work at but Really good people, you know. Between uh, Derek over at Dornick, and then Mike Hansen, probably not a not a finer guy out there in the in the head professional uh, world. Uh, good, good, uh, good upbringing on Absolutely. you, Bud. So, so Murray State is t- technically in Tish. Tishomingo, Oklahoma. Yep. Sorry for our worldwide listeners that don't know what <laughs> Tish is. Uh, so does that, does that mean you got to play uh, old school Riverside a fair amount as so, well?
2: So I did not. We actually spent all of our time. Oh, all there. of your time. Every, every okay. day. Okay. Yeah. Uh, have, you have, uh, have, you
1: yeah. Uh, have you ever gotten over there since?
2: I have not. Oh, boy. We got to take oh, oh, to Dornick, yes. No, no, no.
1: To uh, to what they now call Tishomingo Golf Course. I've never been. Uh, Riverside, Nine Hole, Nine Hole Joint, Perry Maxwell. Right. Right. Uh, Quirky as as uh, as heck. We'll we'll get over there. That'll be that'll be a little little field trip for us. But um, well, let's dive into Duncan Golf and Tennis Club. And again, we're going to get there on um, kind of the very specific name change. Um, I still I still refer to it as Duncan Country Club all the time. I have to catch myself. But let's just talk a little bit of history, kind of story of the founding of the club, the construction of the course. I don't think many Maxwell heads know that this place goes back almost as far as any of them do.
2: Sure, yeah. So we are essentially his his third design, um, Dornick being the first Norman country club that's no longer in existence, um, and then us. So uh, the charter was issued in June of 1921. A couple of local guys put up the capital to get the golf course uh, construction started. Uh, $75,000 is what they had put up. Wow. um, And so Maxwell come down, laid it out, um, and then a year later in June of of 1922, we, I say we, they opened with with nine holes and sand putting greens. Um, The early 40s is when uh, the recession hit and uh, the Elks Lodge purchased the property. The club went bankrupt. And and essentially, it, it went from Duncan Country Club in its original form to uh, the Elks Golf and Country Club, oh. the, the first name change, okay, uh, in the '40s, and then remained uh, the Elks, uh, well, the Elks Golf and Country Club until uh, our own current ownership group took over in 2011, uh, and and renamed it the Duncan Golf and Tennis Club.
1: So obviously, podcast being a visual uh, medium. Uh, yes, you, you are not around. Uh, the listeners don't know, know your age just by your voice, but uh, y- young younger guy sure. by twenty twenty three standards was not. You're not around whenever that all that happened. Yeah. But I think the collective we in this place is very evident. So it, uh, sure. I think it still holds true. So yeah, I didn't realize that um, even looking back through the records that you know. The Norman course had happened, and then Duncan was third. I feel like a lot of times Twin Hills really gets talked about as being the second course for some reason. So it's interesting when you do go back and you look through it, it's like, yeah, right. sure enough, uh, Duncan, um, you know, June, of, June of 21. Uh, and it's funny that in the Maxwell Archives site, it, it's that's a reference to the Dallas Morning News talking about right. it, which is totally, sure. totally crazy. Um, so I believe at the time, it was a nine-hole Golf course, correct. Uh, which nine are is, is the Perry nine? I assume so. The front, so the front nine is okay.
2: is the original Maxwell design and has been uh, relatively unchanged from from the original design. Obviously, when uh, they converted from sand greens to bent grass, um, some some green complexes changed and, and a couple of them moved, but but overall the layout itself is still exactly how he he laid it out,
1: and then. <clears throat> added another nine holes. Do we know when that was? I mean, the only reference I saw was kind of 1950. There was some new holes added.
2: Yeah, but so uh, kind, of, kind of a Maxwell mystery there. You know, um, there, there's an article um, on, on the archive list there that uh, shows that uh, Perry come down here in 1950 to lay out an additional three holes. Um, but I have been unable to find any validity to um, him, him having a hand in the back nine. Um, okay. as far as I know, Floyd Farley, um, laid out and, and, oversaw the construction of the, of the entire back nine as it sits currently, um, in 1952. Okay. So a couple of years after rumor that Maxwell come down here, I guess, uh, that never come to fruition.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. There's seems to be a little bit of Floyd Farley in his early years, Perry Maxwell in his very latest years. If not fully collaborating, kind of some cross pollination, or they were, I'm sure they were at least chatting. Being two sure. uh, Oklahoma golf, Oklahoma-based golf course architects, you know there there weren't many of them uh, in 1950, and so I'm sure they had some discussions. But uh yeah, Maxwell like- mysteries are, and it seems like there are a lot of them, and it, it makes sense, right? Because a lot of his, well, a lot of his work was, you know, the 20s to the to the late 30s, which you know folks decided not to write down a lot of things sure. back then. And then um, on top of that, being in the Depression, nobody really cared what was going on other than uh, just kind of keeping their families fed. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting that there are so so many of those mysteries. Well, yeah,
2: several of Farley's uh, renovations and, and even designs were, were two Maxwell golf courses, it seems like. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think there is some some definite synergies between the two. So you talked about name changes. Interesting, yes, that the, that the Elks uh, purchased the club uh, and then were, were kind of ready to sell it at some point. And so uh, I think it, we said 2011. Correct. So kind of take us to 2011, uh, kind of the history of that, you know, not only transaction, but kind of the culture uh, at the time. And then uh, definitely curious about the uh, Duncan Golf and, and Tennis Club.
2: Yeah, so, you know, at the time... Um, when, uh, in 2011, there were two private facilities in Duncan, okay. uh, not a large community, uh, with the territory being open for a few years. Um, it, it just wasn't working here, sure. um, in, in its current, uh, or in, in, in the, uh, the state that it was in, uh, as far as, uh, dining in the restaurant, you know, it was full, fully private. The club ran the dining, uh, operation and, uh, we're. You know, hemorrhaging in that department, right? Um, just losing money left and right. The group of guys, mainly um, guys that have property around the club who live on the golf course, got together and said, "Hey, we need to, we need to uh, go to the drawing board and and uh, restructure what what our club is." Um, so, obviously, opening it up a little bit, making it more accessible to the public. Um, you know, technically we're still semi-private and we try to operate as privately as possible. Right. Um, essentially if you're going to play golf here often, um, it's (laughs) going to be more cost effective for you to, to join. Right. Um, but, uh, still we're, we're, uh, we're not going to turn you away if you, if you want to come play. Um, so yeah, that, that group got together and, uh, it was written in to the elk lodge bylaws that they weren't allowed to sell the property. Chris Deal, who's the president of our Chamber of Commerce in town, um, has did three different stints as the general manager of the club. Wow. Um, awesome guy. Um, he found a loophole in, in the bylaws that allowed them to basically get rid of the property. Um, so our, our guys got together and bought the entire place for $850,000, uh, got a a uh, sum of 1.5 million together to make some, some improvements when they purchased the place and, and ultimately formed it into what it is today.
1: Wow. That's very, very interesting history. And maybe not an uncommon one um, around the country, but I think in, uh, in Oklahoma to have such a historic uh, golf course that not many people know is historic change hands a couple of times and um, ultimately kind of get in the, the right kind of hands, uh, that's me editorially saying that uh, is is a really nice thing. Just going back to Maxwell a little bit and the and the golf course itself, really. Uh, for those who are familiar with Perry Maxwell golf courses, you can probably almost close your eyes and, and not having been here, know what it's like, right? Sure. Because uh, there's a lot of similarities in his designs. But uh, give folks, a, you know, it's hard to do uh, verbally, but uh, a little bit of a description. Uh, or insight into the golf course itself, and particularly uh, the front nine that are that are Maxwell holes.
2: Yeah, so you know you can you can certainly uh, see his fingerprints on on the design on the front nine. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's an old school feel, right. uh, similar to um, Hillcrest. The yep. First time that I played Hillcrest, it felt like home yep. to me. Um, you know, we're we're, we're fairly tree lined. Um, some some tee shots that uh, are fairly risk reward. Um, I would say greens complex is obviously sand when 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 he um, designed the place, but uh, the position of, of some of the greens are are uh, just textbook Perry Maxwell. Yeah. Um, again, super. Um, Got to be super attentive off the tee. Um, it's not it's not entirely you know extremely long. Um, but uh you know it's it's gonna get your attention pretty quick yeah, out there um i i've you know some of our members that are dual members at here in the territory are like man i I play a lot better out there,
1: oh yeah, I mean
2: west of town, you know with with <clears> um the
1: corridors being wider at the territory, you know precision off the tee there isn't as uh, as mandated where yes, from the very first hole uh here at at the club, you've got a place your golf ball off a tee, or you're going to shoot. And I can I can truly attest. I'm going to leave the details out for, so my reputation isn't harmed, but I can attest that if you're not hitting the fairway, you are not going to uh, shoot a score you're accustomed to shooting.
2: Sure, and, and obviously length uh, has uh, taken a big jump in the last few decades. Mm-hmm. So um, getting it somewhere around the green isn't necessarily as difficult as it probably used to be out right. here, um, but – but greens complexes and and you short side yourself out here and you're going to pay for it. Yep. Um, You know, green greens are super tiny. Um, And when we redid greens this past year, went through a complete renovation. um, We were kind of on the, on the line of bent Bermuda. Don't really know which direction to go. Oh wow. And the conversation was, was pretty simple when, when I got to voice my opinion, guys, if we go with Bermuda out here, the place is unplayable.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah,
2: uh, they're, they're, we're going to have golf balls one hopping out of bounds, and and short side wedges are going to be impossible to get anywhere close to the hole. So we. Oh, I mean,
1: you would have had to almost um, do a full scale renovation of the greens, enlarge the greens to be able to have Bermuda grass. Because you're right, there's um, it's hard to hold the greens out here with with uh, with bent grass, let sure. alone the, the the rock hard. What well, Bermuda tends to get, um, you know, rock hard. That's, that's yeah. And, so and you know, the
2: character of, of the the Maxwell design was something we just weren't willing to part from, you know. And it was certainly discussed to to make putting surfaces bigger, right. um, but uh, just wasn't something we were interested in doing. Losing losing what uh, what Maxwell had done here.
1: I love it. I love it. Well, what would you say is you know something you feel people should know uh, about the club or the course. And again, kind of have a wide range of folks who are going to be, you know, dropping in to listen to this episode, everything from the, they know everything about, you know, know, Duncan golf and tennis club. And those who didn't even know it was a Perry Maxwell to hell. Some people may not know where Duncan, Oklahoma is. So we have a wide spectrum here, but generally speaking, what's something you feel like people should know uh, about the club or the course?
2: Yeah. So um, we pride ourselves in, Really catering to families, um, you know. It's a, it's a historical place. It's in the most, you know, prime piece of real estate in the, in the city of Duncan. We're right in the heart. Um, so, you know, there's tons of communities and in, and in, in housing additions around the club. Um, we're we like to joke that we're basically a glorified babysitting service in the summertime <laughs> uh, because all all, the, makes all the kids are here all the time. Um, yeah. We we take a lot of pride in, in, in being in having that kind of atmosphere. Um, you know, with one of the larger junior programs in the section, uh, we we devote a lot of our time as golf professionals to to catering to the kids.
1: Well, I I want to get there. Um, junior golf, uh, Duncan High School golf, kind of historically great players, really that have come through Duncan. But before I do, why do you think? And this is again my editorial. Maybe maybe people would disagree with this. Why do you think that? DCT, Duncan Golf and Tennis, is such a underrated, maybe off-the-radar, underappreciated gem of a Perry Maxwell when so many other Perry Maxwells, again, certainly in the last four or five years, seem to be getting some attention or some, uh, oh, Perry Maxwell designed that. So why hasn't, again, editorially, Duncan received that sort of, uh, if not spotlight, uh, unearthing as uh, as a maxwell gym
2: yeah i i would say that uh you know obviously our location's not ideal we're kind of in the armpit of the world down here <laughs> um you know so i would say logistically our location kind of hurts as far as recognition goes but uh you know ultimately everyone that that uh, makes their way down here um leaves thinking I'm, i gotta come back yep um so I, I would say that, uh, you know, it's underrated in the aspect of, um, of his designs, and, and there, there's so much history here. It, Duncan is an incredibly rich golf community. Um, you know, within a 20-mile radius of, of where we're sitting right now, there's five golf courses. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and they're all healthy. They're all doing well. Um so so golf in in the community is is super strong obviously uh pumps some pumps some great players out and uh, I, f- I think we're going to get there pretty soon but uh yeah so we you know we're uh, we are a, a hidden gem um and uh pretty proud of what we what we've built here
1: yeah and you know some members like it that way right it's sure. like hey don't no, no 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 don't don't bring any uh, attention certainly. here we, we like it just the way we have it which uh I don't blame them one bit Talk to me about um a few of the both kind of present day I suppose golfers that are in that junior program or, or recently departed um you know high school players, but just kind of some historically great golfer names that have come out of duncan or are or, or making it happen you know right now,
2: sure, yeah, so um the the historically the girls program uh at duncan high school has been the more successful program uh you know from 2000 to 2015 i think they had won 13 state championships wow yeah you know so basically wait, the, from
1: 2000 to 2015 so basically 13 to 15 is somewhere in there
2: yeah it's basically the edmund north that's of, ludicrous of girls golf and and uh you know uh 5a girls golf has always been been pretty tough with uh you know, programs like Durant um, and Bishop Kelly and, and some of those places, it, it's always been pretty pretty tough, and, and the girls have, the girls have dominated. Uh, uh-huh. So uh, currently, we've got one senior, JJ Gregston, who is going to play at Ball State. Uh, really accomplished player, um, super talented, and and an and even better person off the golf course. Um, our our boys program has really um, really taken off. We won one state championship last year. Uh, we were privileged enough to host host the state tournament.
1: Oh wow, yeah. a little home, home court advantage, huh?
2: Yeah. So uh, you know, going going back several years, um, when when Mike was still here, um, he was involved with with the with the high school programs and uh, became a lay coach through the school. So okay, been really hands on there. And and when he departed, uh, well, actually when he was here, I was coaching the, the junior high program. Okay. Um, and once he departed. Uh, I, I took over, um, you know, his position on the, on the high school squad, and uh, my assistant Donovan is currently coaching the junior high team. So you know, we're really hands on and, and privileged enough to have partnered with the schools to be able to do that. Uh, the boys' program uh, looks destined to make another run at it. Nice. Um, we've got uh, four seniors in in the top five that, that are all returning, and uh, our our fifth bag was uh, was a freshman last year. Um junior high, junior high kids are super um, talented as well, uh, should be competitive in every event that they play, and, and the future looks really bright there. Um, but we've got uh, four, four of the, the five kids that are committed to play college golf on, on the high school boys team. Ah. Um, Baylor Bostic um, is, is going to play at UCO. Uh, the two-bag, uh, Jace Black, is going to play at Southern Nazarene. Uh, Caden Stevens is going to Kansas Wesleyan and, uh, the, uh, four bag case five V is going to go join my alma mater at Murray state. Love it. So, um, bunch of talented kids. I'd say any, any given time throughout the year, we've got over a hundred kids in the junior program, um, and, and kind of, you know, have an offering for a kid at any age. Um, so, you know, again, we, that, that's kind of our bread and butter is, is junior golf. But okay. uh, but but no, Duncan has a has a history of of pumping out good golfers. Uh, you know, Baylor's dad, Brent Bostick played at Oklahoma State. Um you know, David Jennings who holds a course record here, um 58. Yeah. 58. 58.
1: Pretty good. Yeah, that'll get it done. That'll get it done.
2: Um Played at uh, USAO, uh, won won several amateur events. Really good player, but uh, yeah, really golf rich community here.
1: Awesome. And remind me of the head coach's name of the golf program. Uh,
2: Stephen Thomas. Stephen Thomas. Okay. Yeah. So Stephen is uh, Stephen was my high school golf coach at Marlowe. Um, we're actually distant cousins. Uh, have a really good relationship. So it, it's nice having somebody that you're close with to to kind of help lead lead the program. Big time, big
1: time. Well, yeah, it seems like. Having heard all that, there's there's quite a little pipeline, and it's nice when everybody's sure. working together on, yeah. on those things. Um, talk a little bit about club, kind of club events that are more for the for the grown-ups in the room, right? Um, I know, even though I cannot for the life of me remember the name of it, there's like a huge three-day tournament that happens over Memorial Day every year. Correct. Um, so talk to the listeners through that, because I have had several of my... Um, much better golfing friends come down and play in that, and they rave about it, yet I still can't remember the name. So talk to us about the Memorial Day event.
2: Yeah, so uh, the Blowout is what we call that. Blowout. Gosh, uh, such a good name, too. Yeah, I still absolute. couldn't remember it. So we are on the 46th annual Blowout Dang. this year, um, and it is a, a, a three-day event. Um, it's actually a scramble format all three days, a, a two, two-man event, um, large Calcutta, you know, dinners, bands, uh, most of our guys call it the, the big party with a golf tournament on the side. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a really good event. Uh, brings a lot of revenue to the community, uh, the hotels, um, even surrounding golf courses. Um, when we're, we're completely shut down for that weekend. Uh, um, oh, yeah. but 128 teams, uh, 256 guys. And, uh, it's, uh, it's the worst week of my life every year, but, uh, you know, when it's all said and done. it's Sorry, it, I didn't it mean was, to throw off any PTSD. Yeah, PTSD, so. certainly. So, uh, no, no, it's, it's a good event, long running, um, and then we do another big one on, on Labor Day. It's actually the hmm. longest running tournament in the state of Oklahoma. Wow. Yeah, so we're on... What's it called? Uh, the Labor Day Invitational. Okay. So it's... Uh, Not as cool of a name. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I said, longest running tournament in the state. I think we're on 98 or 99, uh, something oh, like that. Wow. Uh, didn't, didn't have that written down on my notes, but uh super cool event. Um, it's, it's somewhat of a, a dumbed down version of, of the blowout. So, you know, essentially with college football moving to, to Labor Day weekend, yeah. um, kind of, kind of killed the participation in that deal. And, and, uh, school being back in session it, it's right, hard right. it's hard to get everybody down here for that but uh we we, we certainly keep it going and are proud of that uh, being able to say we've got the longest running event in the state of Oklahoma that's
1: big time I mean so in addition to that I assume we have some member guest action and club championships so maybe just throw out kind of current title holders of the, uh, the member guest and the club championship on, on both men's and women's is there a ladies uh, So
2: we have, uh, the Duncan divot, um, okay. is our, is our ladies, um, member guest essentially. Okay. Um, there we, we've partnered with, uh, with, uh, an organization called SOLGA, the Southern Oklahoma ladies golf Alliance, um, who has taken management of the, the Duncan divot. Um, they, they, uh, wanted to be more involved in, in, in getting, um, you know, getting ladies down here and experiencing what our club has to offer. Um, so we, it's been a great partnership and they do a great job with that. Uh, I believe this will be the 37th annual Duncan divot, um, a lot of history in that, in that event. Um, but one of the cooler things that we do for our, our membership, uh, the, the men in particular is we, we have, um, Eight different member events, um, kind of scattered from April to September, um, and we call those points events. Um, essentially, like the FedEx Cup, um, the top 22 guys at the end of the end of the season um, are are allowed to play in the Maxwell Cup. Uh, Donovan, my assistant, and I we we handpicked the, the teams and, and basically shut the golf course down to have a Ryder Cup. The Maxwell <sighs> wow. Cup is what we call really? it. Really? So. Yeah, obviously with our greens renovation we weren't able to um have that last year so we had rescheduled for last weekend actually. Um so got to, got to have the Maxwell Cup. Okay. And uh come out victorious in that. Um I've, I've told Donovan he's he's uh, on pace to be the first uh professional to lose two Maxwell Cups in in one season. So <laughs> uh but certainly that that's uh that's probably the coolest thing that we do. Um but no, the, there's there's certainly something going on all the time. I think we've got forty two tournaments currently on the tournament calendar this year. So Wow.
1: Wow, you guys uh you guys do it right. I uh a couple things. One, um well I will timestamp this a bit. We're recording this in uh March twenty twenty three. The great thing about these Maxwell pods is that anybody can drop in and learn at any time, hopefully for sure. decades to come. But uh, that's where we're currently residing on the calendar. And so kind of getting into golf season um the other thing i will say is i don't know if my wife listens to these podcasts but if she does uh dear we're gonna i think we're moving to duncan based on that <laughs> golf calendar and that golf schedule I-, I i need to get down and be a resident here in uh, what stevens county, I don't stevens, know what county you know. stevens county stevens yeah. county man look at me i'm looking at and gas guy talking, <laughs> talking county name shady 580 shady 580 <laughs> i love it i love it well so, you know, we've talked a lot about the history of the club, what's going on, anything kind of coming in the future. I mean, I know with a with a club that says uh, old, uh, to use a term that nobody likes to use anymore, but an sure. old club, um, sometimes there's big plans for the future, sometimes there's the best thing about our futures. it's going to look at like it does now, so just give our listeners a sense of you know, are there things coming? Are there aspirations? Are there, we don't talk about this, but you know, give us some insider knowledge.
2: Sure. Yeah. So we, we've kind of positioned ourselves to be, um, be successful, you know, in the, in the long term, and, and, and constantly looking ahead. Uh, you know, one thing that, uh, we've kind of slated that that's going to happen uh, hopefully sooner rather than later is uh, an irrigation replacement. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Unfortunately. So the, the, the current system that we operate was installed in 1970.
1: Well, that's not too bad based on some of these, some of these. Sure. Uh, uh, systems.
2: So, so it wasn't, uh, <laughs> it wasn't uh, uh, made to where you can, uh, it wasn't automated to run heads by computer until probably 2012, right. something like that. You know, before that, they were turning sprinklers by hand and, and, uh, obviously, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, guys out here, you know, hand turning sprinkler heads, um, you know, but, uh, pumped a little bit of money into it when the new ownership group took over, um, to, to make the system automated to where we didn't have to do that any longer. But, uh, you know, we're experiencing some, some pipe failure in areas, uh, just considering the age and the, and the quality of pipe that was installed in the 70s. So, you know, that's something that we're, that we're looking to improve, obviously with new greens. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be super important that we can irrigate those.
1: Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, I can't put a percentage on it, but a large percentage of people who play golf, whether that be at a private club, semi-private club, just a public golf course, uh, don't give appreciation to all the things that you literally don't see on a golf course that is making your experience either good, bad, indifferent. And irrigation, I feel like over the last five to 10 years, is a huge thing that um, many, many courses are undertaking because that is literally the lifeblood of your golf course. Uh, is uh, adequate watering and watering efficiently and certainly in this day and age where water seems to be more and more scarce um, it's not it's, i wouldn't even call it a necessary evil it's almost like a necessary blessing to be able to do an irrigation renovation um, and so good on you guys for getting yeah, that c- in there certainly in the, not, in the not pipeline not unintended
2: not not a golf course if you can't if you can't keep it irrigated um, and that that's essentially where our conversations have gone certainly not um, an american one sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, um, so something that's going to have to happen um, and and we're looking forward to, to getting that project started uh, have have a little bit going on right now um, kind of in-house replacing um, lines down several fairways but uh, uh, just for the overall future of the club i mean we're we're really going to attack, um, local businesses for, for corporate opportunities. You know, we've got, uh, we've got several, um, companies moving into the, into Duncan, uh, Halliburton's huge here. Um, it's been, it's been our, our lifeline for, for forever really. Um, but, uh, you know, Goodyear's moving, um, probably 200 jobs into the end of the town, uh, in the next year. Uh, so we've got some opportunity there. And then, and then ultimately it, come, it comes back to the junior golfers. You know, if you, if you got the kids, you've got their, you've got their parents. Yep. It, it, it's, uh, it's uber convenient to come pick your kid up from the golf course at six o'clock and go, Hey, let's just, let's just hang out here for a little while and have dinner or yeah. or go play a few holes. Uh, so that, that again, that's where we, we spend most of our time is trying, trying to get the families.
1: Okay, music, music to this uh, father of two nine-year-olds ears. Uh, don't want to give the listeners whiplash here, but I want to want to shift back to Perry Maxwell. You know, Miles Absolutely. of Maxwell Pod. We're just we're bouncing back and forth right. here. What is your, I don't know, favorite favorite thing about Perry Maxwell? Favorite story about Perry Maxwell? I, I don't have a particular question there. Doesn't even have to be uh, Duncan related even though that might be ideal since it's (laughs) focused on you guys but just give us a Perry Maxwell story vibe favorite thing um, that our Maxwell fans can can latch on to
2: yeah I don't think uh, there's enough discussion uh, you know or or he's not given enough credit for the the types of uh, properties that he's turned into these magnificent places and you've got You've got places like us that's fairly fairly flat. You yep. know, it was it was pasture land. Oklahoma City Golf and Country Club, super flat, and there's not a lot of undulation. And then you've got Dornick Hills and Southern Hills, um, Twin, a Twin Hillcrest. Yeah, um, you know, which are which are probably the more recognizable uh, Maxwell places. Um, but uh, you know, uh, Prairie Dunes. You know, it was it's a desert. You know, essentially, yeah, and 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 made it what it was. You know, probably. Uh, one of the better link style golf courses on on the continental in, in the continental United States. Amazing. So I think that that's something that uh, that gets overlooked is is his creativity with with different types of, of terrain and, and property. Um, yeah.
1: Well, and like uh, along those same lines, a little bit different vein, he didn't care about budget size of the different communities that he worked for. Sure. To me, he not only what land do you have. What budget do you have? We're going to make you something that people will enjoy doing. Absolutely. I think that's just a, that is a lost art in 2023. Normally it's, I need a big, big, big budget and I need a good piece of land, or I'm not even going to think about this project. And sure. he was doing the opposite.
2: Absolutely. And obviously, given, given the times and the resources that were sure. available to him, um, you know, it goes back to. Uh, Like the renovation at at Dornick Hills, you know, filling the pond in on 17 was was, uh, you know, something that a lot of people are are a little unhappy with. Uh, Some of them love it because, you know, I I dumped quite a few golf balls into into that pond. Um, Yeah. You know, I think that uh, some of the changes to the original designs were uh, weren't necessarily a bad thing. It would have taken Perry a long time to dig that hole uh, right. on seventeen. He might he might have
1: put a pun there if he had the uh, yeah.
2: time, energy, and labor yeah. to do it. A C- couple of years with a mule, and he'd have had that thing dug out. So, <laughs> uh, but but no, he's it, it's a uh, it's pretty remarkable what he's done for golf in the state of Oklahoma. Um, so he's a uh, he's definitely uh, the the father of Oklahoma golf, in my opinion. No doubt about it. I think that's well said.
1: Well, well, we know that your your favorite Perry Maxwell course is Duncan Golf and Tennis. Um, what is your second favorite Perry Maxwell golf course?
2: I'm I'm going to have to go with with Hillcrest. Oh, uh, love it! I, 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 Shout uh, out to John, John yeah, Ron, if you're
1: listening, we love you.
2: John Ron's an awesome dude, doing a great job at Hillcrest. Uh, good good friend, and and uh, you know, the first time that I played the golf course was in the assistant match play championship for the section okay and uh uh made it to the semifinals and uh had to play the assistant version of john ron at his home golf course <laughs> um and uh well, it wasn't ideal for me uh, you know it's john, a tough matchup yeah john got it done uh one up um and uh you know props to him for for getting it done but uh it, it was uh it's a cool place cool property it feels uh you know, it feels old school. The clubhouse is, you know, the original. It's, you know, it feels like uh, it feels like Bushwood.
1: Totally. <laughs> I, but yet, but also like Frank Lloyd Wright at the same time. You know, right. it's like it's, it's like a uh, artful version of Bushwood or something. Right. You know? uh, well, I I I played Hillcrest for the first time in 2021. I think that was the correct year. Doesn't really matter. And I was blown away. It's my favorite golf course in Oklahoma now. Sure. And it's like, where well, how did, how did I not know about this? Right. And so maybe it's just a acquired taste sort of deal when you get a little older and you start to get a little wiser that, uh, go peeking around the corner and you'll find some cool stuff. So yeah, we, we, just, we share that, uh, affection it, for Hillcrest.
2: Yeah. The organization, uh, you know, that, that, that operates that place has, has done it right for so long. And, you know, obviously with, uh, the, the fingerprints of the Cosby family yep. um, on that place and, and pumping out great golf professionals over over the last, you know, 100 years has, has been pretty remarkable. Um, so, yeah, neat property, neat place.
1: Absolutely. And, and I'll and I'll put an asterisk there, favorite Perry Maxwell course in Oklahoma. I don't want to hurt my Boiling Springs <laughs> <Sure>. uh, <laughs> club presidency uh, going forward. Um, well, let's do some superlatives about Duncan Golf and tennis got a, Got a few here that I that I sent you ahead of time. Maybe I'll think of others that we that we pop in there. But what would you say is either your favorite club tradition, or or by and large would be the favorite tradition at the club?
2: Yeah, I, honestly, I would say I would say the blowout is probably our, our best tradition. You know, the the community really comes together and and uh, supports the event. Tons of sponsorships, um, you know, vendors. The, the hotels in particular are are, are packed, um, Airbnbs around the community. I mean, there's just tons of foot traffic. You know, there's it, it feels like a mini tour event when when you're out there. There's so many spectators. and yeah. I can't rent enough golf carts. You know, it's 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 a huge deal. And is that Saturday Sunday Monday or Friday Saturday Sunday? Yeah, Saturday Sunday Monday. Okay, uh, practice round and a horse race on Friday. But yeah, it's 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 big time. Love it. It's Love the it. only golf tournament I've ever heard of where you. When, when you register, you get a 30-pack a beer punch cart. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, get your 30-pack get your and your tea gifts and get ready.
1: Uh, man, that's a weekend right there. <laughs> that's a weekend right there. So, you got a lot of folks that come down and play as guests. Obviously, a very strong membership here. What is the golf hole out there on the course that gets griped about the most?
2: Yeah. So, you know, the number one handicap hole is number 15. Uh, it was converted to a par four um, probably around the time that the new ownership took over. But uh, it used to be a par five um, straight into the north wind. Uh, right now, I think yardage is 505 yards. Uh, so when it's when it's blowing mm. any into you, it's a, it's a brute. Um, but I think people have kind of accepted that. So the, the one that probably we get the most complaints about is, is number three. Um, so it runs along 10th Street. So you've yep. got uh, out of bounds on the right, big pond on the left. Um, you know, most good players are going to lay back to the widest part of the fairway. Um, you know, that's probably 80 yards wide. Uh, you still got trouble on both sides. And and then you're going to have, you know, roughly 100 and 80 to 200 yards into the hole uh, and the guys that want to get aggressive, it, it really narrows up down there in the bottom. Um, and, and the wet shots not, not particularly easy from down there, oh, you yeah. know, so you can hit Smuggly. driver, you got to hit it down an alleyway. Um, and, and then hit a wedge, uh, you know, up the hill to, a uh, you know, not very fair green. So, uh, number three is probably the one that that uh, is most detrimental to uh, to scores around here.
1: Right, especially early in the round. Absolutely. Uh, and, and not to go too hard on Hillcrest because this is a, a DCC pod, but really reminds me, number three, that is here, of number eight, I think it is. Again, along the road, short four, creek up the left, yeah. kind of makes it uncomfortable. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of similarities yeah. to, your, to your point earlier about uh, you kind of feel uh, this place out there. Okay. So who is, this is one of my favorite questions. Who's the member at the club who is in quotes, always looking for a game.
2: Yeah. So, uh, Daryl Smith is probably our, our guy when it comes to, to looking for something to throw money at. Um, (laughs) you know, he, he's kind of known as a pigeon around here. Um, he's, he's not afraid to, uh, to, to throw some money at something. He's, he's constantly, uh, Looking for an opportunity to keep people engaged um, and 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 try to dip into their pocketbooks, you know he'll he uh, he tried to orchestrate a. Uh, we, we've got two two brothers out here, JJ and Micah Russell, who are historically really good players. Both played collegiate golf, uh, have probably held the, the the club championship title. One of the two of them for the last twenty years. Just really really good players. Um, and and he tried to orchestrate a a match against our one and two bag on the high school team. Um, and he, he wanted to call it, you know, some young guys versus the legends or something like that kids right. versus the pros type deal. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it never come to come to fruition, but uh, you know, he's, he's uh, he, he's always in my office pitching tournament ideas and, and different ways to, to, to ultimately help the club. Um, but, but to give himself an opportunity to
1: to cash, cash in. So I mean, there's a, there's opportunity in every idea, sure. okay, Dakota. I always ask that question because I like to know who to avoid when I show up because yeah. I, I don't I don't have any pockets to, uh, to be doling out of.
2: If Daryl doesn't make it to the first tee for for uh, the the money game tee time, uh, he's gonna follow around in, in the cart and you know bet people dollars on on their three footers and, and stuff like that. So,
1: all right, big Daryl, lo- love it. One of my always one of my favorite characters at the club is the guy who's. Always looking for a game. All right. So
2: Daryl is the father of Trent Smith, uh, tight end at OU. Really? So he's a Clinton guy. Yeah. Interesting. So Daryl moved moved to Duncan. Uh,
1: It sounds like he got ran out of Clinton. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So so (laughs) Daryl is one one of our owners actually, and and essentially come up with the idea to get the group together to buy the place. Um, Nice. Awesome. Awesome person. but yeah, there's a little Daryl history for you.
1: Oh, man, the Daryl Smith uh, episode will live in infamy at this point. <laughs> uh, all right, well, I think this will be the hardest question of the whole podcast. I know it's hard to do this; it's like picking among your children. But tell me your favorite hole at Duncan Golf and Tennis Club. Uh,
2: that's that's easy. It's, oh, okay. It's number sixteen. Um, so, number 16 runs runs across the uh, the west side of the property, far northwest side of the property. Uh, Tree-lined uh, par four, um, and then in the fall, uh, when the leaves change colors, it feels like you're at Augusta back there. So, it kind of borders our our wedge area, uh, our practice facility back there that uh, our superintendents in the past have done a really good job with some creative mow-outs and stuff back there. Uh, it just seems like turf quality is always pristine. Um you know, but uh, not a long par four, but but uh, definitely it, it's you got to hit uh, three wood, two iron, something like that down a shoot um, and hope you got the right angle into that into that uh, that green to to give yourself a look. But uh, that's that's certainly my favorite hole.
1: Great hole, great hole. I agree with that. All right, well, this has been awesome. Love. I could talk about Perry Maxwell and certainly this place for uh, for hours. However, we need to do the game that we do with all of our guests at the end of the podcast, and that would be the short par four. There are several great short fours here in Duncan. Uh, The way this is going to work, I'm going to peel off four golf questions or golf-related questions for you, Dakota, and uh, I want you to give me your answers. Teeing it up. First shot. On the short four, I want you to tell the listeners about your last round of golf.
2: So my last round of golf would have been the singles match of the Maxwell Cup um, here at the club. And uh, so to recap, it's a a, a 54-hole event, uh, Ryder Cup format. So Saturday rounds uh, are... Four ball in the morning, foursomes in the afternoon, and then Sunday singles. Um, won both of my matches, uh, actually against the same guy, Jeff Elroy. Shout out to him. Uh, <laughs> got, got him twice on Saturday. Guys uh, who
1: lose always love being shouted out on podcasts.
2: <laughs> right. So uh, I'm not going to give his name, but I played a, a, a certain seven handicap at the club in my singles match. Um, so had to give him, playing at a plus one, had to give him eight. Uh, t- tough to do. Yeah. Uh, so Sunday was you know high of sixty or so, blowing forty out of the north. You know at, at its gust points and uh, brutal day. And the seven handicap decided he was going to career it and shoot seventy three. And whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah he made. Uh, so he made uh, about a ten footer on on sixteen for par, about eight uh, footer on seventeen, and about a twelve footer on eighteen for par to beat me one up. That was that was gut wrenching, but uh, yeah, it was. It wasn't, my last round of golf wasn't something that I, I want to think a whole lot about. Well, we'll move on. I <laughs> we'll Appreciate on. that.
1: Uh, I can tell you, as a seven handicap myself, it's always been my dream to be called a sandbagger. I, <laughs> I never <laughs> can call a sandbagger. <laughs> right. They're normally saying a seven. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. Um, give us the golfer out on tour again. Second question. Second shot into the short four here. The golfer out on tour, and you can, I suppose, pick any tour you want these days. That you love to root
2: against. Oh, it, easy, Ian Poulter. Okay, yeah, Ian it's Poulter. just the—I mean—as a as a red blooded American, he's he's number one on my list. Heck yeah, heck yeah. yeah. I, I, I hope he doesn't make another cut. You know. Well, don't have to worry guessing. about that now because he's on lip chair. Right, yeah, that's <laughs> very true. Yeah, no cut anymore. That, that's a good tour for him.
1: All right, we uh, birdie putt here on the short four. You have, uh, unfortunately, only one more round of golf to play in your life. What golf course are you going to play with the caveat that you do have to have played that course before?
2: Uh, I'm going to go Shadow Creek in Vegas.
1: Woo! Yeah.
2: You know, being able to change clothes in Michael Jordan's locker was was something that was pretty special. Um, you know, the, the 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 history of you know the presidents being members there, and and just the locker room in general was so cool to see. You know, each president with their associate number. Um, with you know, it's um, a it's a wild place. It's yeah, a, it's a wild yeah, place. Pretty, pretty neat and and. Uh, the, 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 caddies were awesome Had a bunch of stories, uh, pretty cool to hear some of the names that they've caddied for out there. And it's, it's so, uh, so, uh, hard to get on. Um, so that, that would probably be my one that I've played before that I would go back to.
1: Well, we'll, we'll dub over that since, you know, as a, as a Perry Maxwell, uh, podcast sure. like Shadow Creek, you know, the most artificial place yeah. on earth, but for super, sure. super cool. And you, I can't imagine the stories we'll have yeah, to hear some incredible. of those, uh, <laughs> off air, <laughs> All right, we're tapping in for par here on the short par four. We are gonna make a movie about the golf life of Dakota Hicks. I wanna know not which actor, but what famous golfer is gonna play you in the movie.
2: Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Jason Duffner.
1: Jason Duffman, man, talk about a name from the past.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Similar body types, you know. (laughs) Just felt. Yeah, just solid wedge and iron player. Um, You know, struggles a little, gets a little yippy with the flat stick every now and then. But... uh, but a uh, little underrated tour guy. Um, I'm going to go with Duff Daddy.
1: A yeah, major champion. Not many Absolutely. people remember 2013 yeah. PGA. Should have been a two-time. Plus you know? playoff a two-time. to Keegan Bradley. Yeah, everybody's favorite golfer, Keegan Bradley. Yeah. Uh, man, this has been a blast. Uh, really appreciate you again hosting us. We love being able to come and do in-person pods at Perry Maxwell courses. And um, we'll be excited to get out there and kind of sample those, uh, those brand-new greens. So thanks for coming on.
2: Absolutely. Appreciate you having me.
1: Absolutely, folks. That's been another episode of our Miles of Maxwell podcast series. Again, thanks to golf course architect Colton Craig, whose book, Miles of Maxwell, will be released in 2023.